Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to uh, another extra Roker Report podcast or Roker Report Extra podcast. I always call it that. It's a player interview, isn't it? But um been looking forward to this one for a little while. I think you have as well. Someone who knows a little bit about playing for Sunderland, a little bit about beating the mags, a little bit about scoring screamers. Mr. Phil Bardsley, how are you doing? Are you all right, mate? Good evening. How are we? Yeah, good, man. We're good. We're, we're actually uh, doing all right as a football club for one, so everyone's merry in side. How's Burnley, all right? Yeah, Burnley's not bad. It's had a tough start to the season. Um Europe was obviously an enjoyable experience, but um, we've just struggled in the league this season, and uh, it's pretty disappointing to be fair. It's um, we need to pick up some some points and some results rather quickly. Yeah, it's funny. I normally end up starting these conversations and interviews by saying, you know, what you're up to these days, but I think it's the first time. <laughs> In a while, I've interviewed someone who's playing a, a higher level than us at the minute, actually, aren't you? But I've got a feeling it's going to be an interesting one this <laughs> night, um, if I'm honest with you. So I'll start with the easiest one. Who were the best three players you played with at Sunland and why? Oh, it's difficult. Oh, you see, you've started with a difficult one already, haven't you? <laughs> um, I'd have to say my favourite player to play with at Sunland was, was Katz. Um, we were quite similar in many ways. You know, we wore wore our heart on our sleeve. Um, we give it all every time we went out and played for Sunderland. We were quite similar characters. Obviously, we was we was best mates while we were there. Um, and he was just a big character, and it was someone where, when things weren't going right on the pitch, you could have a little glance round at him, and he'd sort of like give the give you the nod to say, right, let's get wide in here, let's let's lay a marker down in the game. And um, I'd have to say, Katz was was my favourite player as. Obviously, my best friend there as well. Yeah. Um, other players, uh, I played with some obviously top players at Sunderland. Um, it's difficult to narrow it down to my three actually because I've played with that many. Just, I'd have to say Sessignon was was up there. Oh, unbelievable um, on his day! Oh, he was tremendous. He could do things with a with a ball that most players couldn't do. He was um, he was very very good. Uh, you couldn't take the ball off him in a phone box to be quite honest it was difficult <laughs> to play against in the, in the training ground in the training games and stuff he was no he was very good very very technically gifted and uh, um, I, to be fair I thought he was going to get a, a big move from Sunderland I thought he was going to go obviously he went to West Brom he went to West Brom that's right isn't it? yeah he went to West Brom um... he might have kicked on from there and gone um, and gone somewhere else but he never heard my missus missus trying to listen in onto this by the way I have to kick her out <laughs> 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 she'll just laugh at me for a flower or whatever it is. 
<laughs> yeah, I'd say Sessignon was um, Sessignon was up there. He was he was a top player, and I always like players like like Zenden and Malbronk were technically gifted as well. Great players. Great, oh, phenomenal. They were another two. Just come in professional, um, understood the club. Every time they went on the pitch, they made a difference. Um, good lads in the dressing room, and just all round top pros. I mean. I mean, if you look at the CV, especially Bolo's CV, it's incredible. Um, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ah, like... Unbelievable. What a player, honestly. But I say he bought into everything about Sunderland. That's what that's what that's what we all loved about him. He could have been, you know, he could have been fun time Frankie and, and big time that, but he was he was outstanding. His attitude was spot on, and he he was a top player. So, taking you back to two thousand and eight, ten year ago now. Jeez. Ten year ago, yeah. That's making, that's making me feel really old, by the way, that. Making me feel really old, mate. I think um, I I'm, I'm 33, by the way. I'm kicking on. Uh, I'm still plodding on, I'm still plodding on. Are you still doing all right? <laughs> um, you were on loan at Chef Wed. Uh, no, Chef United, sorry. Tell a lie. And you had, obviously, a, I think there was a deal in place for you to sign. Um, and I think I, I probably know the answer to this because Roy Keane's here. You're a, a Man United lad. But he, yeah. he obviously, he wants, you, he wants to bring you in. I can imagine it's probably, at the time, a better move for you. But how did the move happen? It was quite funny, actually, because I went I went out training. Oh, actually, before I went out training, uh, so Alex pulled me. He said, uh, obviously, you're not played much regularly. Obviously, Gary Neville was still flying high and obviously playing for playing for United and England and um, yeah the, the gaffer pulled me just said see you're not playing much I feel like you're going a bit stale um, there's an opportunity you you can go obviously and sign permanent for Sheffield Sheffield United I think Sheffield United and Burnley at the time it was um, so I went out to train uh, come back in and uh, I had a missed call on my phone I was like alright so I rang it back there's a voicemail I listened to the voicemail it was Roy uh, so I rang him back I rang you back straight away. I got in the car and um, obviously had a chat with him about coming up to Sunderland. It was a no-brainer. It took about 30 seconds um, <laughs> for me to make the decision and, uh, you know, what a decision it was. And that was Roy Keane. Was that Roy Keane or the club? Or was it a yeah, no, just, just everything. Obviously, a couple of friends were there on loan, Danny Simpson and Johnny Evans, and they absolutely loved it. It was a bit, a bit of both, to be honest. Obviously, I wanted to work with Roy again because I always felt as a as a player when I played with him, even though I was a young I was a young lad at the time, he always he always got the best out of me and you know I wanted to experience it as a manager and you know I'm glad I did that because I really enjoyed it and he and he took me to he took me up to Sunderland. And I think, you know, going back to that time, I remember the January signings we made was obviously yourself, Johnny Evans are the two that I remember. That's what really changed for me the outlook of the season that we had and we became really, really strong towards the end of that season. Yeah, coming in the January it was and we had Birmingham at home. I think it was 2-1, we won 2-1. 1-0, 2-0, it was Ryder Prigger. Oh, 2-0 it was, yeah, sorry, Ryder Prigger, yeah. And uh, oh, it's a blast from the past though, Ryder, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, obviously coming main with debut, and that was it then. Um, but it's still quite all new to me because obviously I was on my own, uh, obviously live, living up there. Um, so my first sort of like twelve months, I was I was up and down, back home, seeing my mates, going home, coming back, and obviously as soon as I got settled, and obviously the misses and and etc. It was uh, it, 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 I, there was no reason for me to go back home, and obviously I settled into life up there, and obviously playing golf and. Uh, you know, just just everything about the place. I just, I just, I just loved it. 
And if there's one thing I remember about like your time at the club, which was quite odd, I suppose, looking back, was that there was always competition for your place. There was always someone new that was brought in start of the season. And I think the first time it happened, obviously you got brought in in the January. You played in the team. I think yourself and Johnny Evans, when you got injured before that Newcastle game, everyone bemoaned that happening because it was a settled back four. But then Roy Keane brings in Pascal Chimbonda. Now, obviously, it didn't work out at the time, but when he brings in a brand new right back for, what, six million quid, did he say anything to you or was it just a case of Um, competition? No, I think it was down purely down to competition. Uh, it's quite funny, him Chimbonda, to be fair, because as soon as he come in, we did uh, did a defensive defending exercise, and uh, Ricky Sprazier took the session. The, the attacking players were just bombing balls and tossing balls into the box, and obviously we had to clear them. We had to clear like four to five balls each, and um, a couple of balls went into the box, and and, and Pascal just <laughs> just declined to head the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Why? He just had his braids done. <laughs> he just had his braids tightened and he just refused to head the ball. And I was just like, there's no way in a million years this guy's keeping me out of this team. <laughs> oh, but it was comical. But his first day, his first day he parked in Roy's spot. He parked in the gaffer spot. He was just a, he was a character, to be fair. He was so funny. Oh, but yeah, I say players, obviously players come in for competition and you know, it gets the best out. You think, obviously, that that's that season. No, it's that season when Roy went, um, and then obviously Brucey came in. Um, I've obviously known Steve since I was nine. I used to play play with Alex in Man United Academy at the yeah. School of Excellence, and he had a bit of a beam on it because obviously, you now Quinn pulled me towards the end of that season, and he said, "Come on, try and get the lads over the line to safety," and obviously we'll renew your contract and this and that. Um, so obviously I went away in the summer thinking I was going to come back and sign a new deal and obviously a new manager wants to come in and I assess everyone and I had a bit of a sulk on to be fair because when I had the chat with Nile it was like right as soon as you come back the contract will be signed blah 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 and then I don't know about my attitude I was sulking a little bit but obviously Steve at the time didn't take too kind to it and probably not my best season at Sunderland to be fair and, and that's what drove me on the following season obviously to to get into the team and obviously win player of the year. And it's funny when you won't play the year because it was left back you played, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed that to be fair. I really did. It was uh, it was new to me because I've never, obviously when I was obviously coming through the the system at Man United, it was I always played right centre half, even though I'm a midget. I always played right centre half. <laughs> obviously, I made my debut and played right back and so there from then I've always played right back. But it was a good experience. I really enjoyed it, cutting in and and obviously linking up with the with the forward players and obviously doing the basic defending stuff, which you know grew up doing, which I, which I enjoy doing most of all. And just you kind of touched on it already. I just want to take you back to a little bit before that. We talked about um, you know that that season when you came in. I've spoke to a few players from that time frame and that time period, and and the strength in the team spirit was was massive in like the season that you came. The amount of games we won the last minute, and then. Come the summer, he brings in Cissé, he brings in Chimbon, the Juf, changed the dynamics a little bit. How did that change the atmosphere in the dressing room? Because you had like a core of British players beforehand that would like work their bollocks off each other, really. Yeah. And then you had, you hear the stories, you know the stories. They were just strange. Not, I wouldn't say they were actually bad lads, or they were just they were just strange signings at the time because obviously the type of characters they were they weren't the type of characters you thought Roy would buy as a manager. Um, but to be fair, they come in, 
you know, they, you know, they weren't that, they weren't as bad as you'd think they were around the around the training ground, around the place, and that. It was just the timing, and I think Cisse scored some important goals. To be fair, oh yeah, he was, sure. uh, I think he was the uh, he was the best out of the three that come in. But yeah, obviously there was incidents throughout the while well, the time was there, but overall, I don't think they were they were that bad. But they, as I said, they were just they were just bizarre signings. I thought from Roy at the time. Good lads, unless they were getting their braids done. Should have tightened a bit even harder than braids. <laughs> Might help, you never know. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I, there's so much stuff that I, I want to cover with you. and I, I mean, I could literally sit here for hours. I think we probably <laughs> both could. I've um, been watching Home Alone with the kids, by the way. You're lucky tonight. Oh, well, you know, I, I get priority. Something gets priority tonight, <laughs> don't they? Fair always play. will. Always will. <laughs> How's my statue? Is my statue up yet? Oh, have we left that? Are you doing that another time? Oh, we're waiting for it, mate. It's just to kind of get the likeness right. Can't get the, <laughs> can't get the tattoos done correctly, you see. Um, when coming into, obviously, the, the season after that, I mean, obviously, there was Brucey came in, which you mentioned before, and obviously, Sabrazio in between that. But, you know, with Roy Keane's sacking, it kind of felt as a fan like it was sort of coming, but I've spoke to Kieran to a few players from that year that I can't think off the top of my head, and none of them felt like it was like imminent that he was going to go. But were you surprised that he walked? Uh, yeah, because what he'd done and where he brought the club from, obviously when he took over with the bottom three of the championship, uh, and to take him to to the top of the league and promotion, and um, it's never easy that transition from the Championship to the Premier League because obviously financially and the players that you that you've got at your disposal, it's difficult to to live up to these so-called big boys in the Premier League. But I think we we done tremendously well to obviously stay in the league for a couple of years that we obviously were struggling. Um, but no, I didn't really, I didn't see I didn't see it coming to be honest with you. It was, it was a bit obviously it was a bit out of the blue, but obviously we, we were struggling a little bit, but. We felt we had enough in the change room to to turn things around, but it just shows football clubs are, are um, you know, when it's not going well, uh, you're easy, you're easy, you're easy to get out the door. Yeah, and I think you know when we were speaking to to Kieran as well, he was mentioning that maybe it was stuff above the football club yeah, that maybe was pissing it was, them off. It gets a bit political, doesn't it? And then obviously the players don't know too the ins and outs of obviously of what's going on. We just obviously tried to focus on. On the main thing, which was getting points on the pitch, and um, you know, we left all the all the off-field stuff to the manager and the and the hierarchy, and you know, we just tried to crack on and and get as many points on the board as we could. And it, it was a tough season, and obviously Sabrazia took over, and I think I think everyone knew he was one of the lads. He was a very likable bloke, but he was never the sort of the answer. And then then the summer comes along, and you've got Steve Bruce comes in, and it felt like a dynamic of of the level of player we wanted had totally changed. He had the he brought in Catamol, he brought in Lorixana, brought in those sort of players. And and you mentioned you touched a little bit before how you you didn't get on and instantly click with them, but obviously that worked out with Brucey. But what were your thoughts on Steve Bruce as a manager, a bloke, and how did you enjoy playing under him? I really enjoyed it. I, I think best season of my career, to be quite honest, in terms of obviously. Premier League level and and what we achieved, we finished obviously tenth, tenth. That's it, twenty ten. When it finished tenth um, in a tough, tough league. Um, but I, I I really got on with Steve. I feel like he got the best out of me. He knew how to poke me and, and drive me forward, and he knew what I needed. You know, he needed a kick up the ass here and there. He he won't be scared to do it. And you know, I like people like that. They're genuinely an honest for you, and they want the best for you. And, no, it was unfortunate the way it ended for him because because I thought it was a it was a perfect man to 
to manage a club like that. He's, um, I thought his, his style and we try to play the right way. And well, as you said, as I touched on before with the Roy situation, things go on and you know it's a results business and you know it's up to the hierarchy to make them decisions. One thing that sticks in. <laughs> In a fan's mind about the, the Steve Bruce period, and it, it, it is when he lost Bent. I think we all felt that when Bent he went, there was just something that we just lost. And I, I don't. We, I mean, obviously it was a goal. Yeah, score you, lost, you lose goals, don't you? Don't about. necessarily rely relied on his all round play, um, but his goals were were vital to us. Um, so you know, he scored some vital goals in in big games, and you know, we all know games are defined on. You know, scoring goals and keeping them out the other end, and you know he was certainly good at scoring goals. And you know to lose a goal scorer, it's a vital part of the season. is is a big blow. Did you see that coming with Darren Bent? Or was that no, I didn't, I didn't, didn't really see anything. I, you don't really know as a player sometimes what goes on behind closed doors or what's going on with his agent. You know, he put he was uh, he, he was oh, he's always quite close to like the younger lads in terms of Jordan and, and Milo. He was quite close with them, so. He was. Uh, he never let too much out, and you couldn't have a gauge if he was obviously that he wasn't happy. But um, he obviously wasn't happy, and he, he wanted a move. Funnily enough, one of the other lads had, had interviewed Darren today, so I'm sure we'll hear his his version of events, uh, which has been kept under wraps for a while, actually. But um, yeah, I mean, there was definitely a, something definitely faltered at that point, and I think the thing that was frustrating with and I'm talking as a fan, the Steve Bruce era was those big dips in form that we had. We'd be like sixth off top and then there'd just be that yeah. huge dip. W- was there anything that changed in the dressing room? I mean, we spoke to Lorik Sarno and he touched on maybe it was just a lack of strength and depth. Would you agree yeah. with that? I don't think it'd be too far away from the truth there. Obviously, it's a demanding league and you can't you can't afford to have your best players not playing. And I think where we went through a, a couple of stages of that season where we lost players at vital parts of the season... Obviously, you lose cats, um, obviously, to injuries, suspensions. Lorick, the same, suspensions. Probably myself, suspensions. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One or two. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously, you, you lose players through injury. And when your squad's not as, as big and powerful as the top boys in the league, then it's a bit of a struggle, to be quite honest. You've just reminded me talking about suspensions. I remember I've kind of wiped it out my mind because it's been so long since we got beat off Newcastle. But the last time they beat us, which was about 100 years ago, you got sent off, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. Big centre half with Curly Air was coming bombing at me, and there was not a chance he was winning that. that was <laughs> no only one winner there. And is it strange to think that they've never beat us since then? Oh, it's incredible. I, yeah. I, I got abused the other night, to be fair. We played them, obviously, we lost Monday night football, and. Uh, Oh, they give me some abuse, them lot did. They give me yeah. some abuse. Which oh, is right. normal for them, though, for me. Which, mind you, when we beat them, I just oh, went berserk. Every time we scored and beat them, that was it. Oh, I love that, that famous photo in there, that, that one with you, Marcus, me. Fabio. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Awesome. Awesome. Great days. I'm it's paying for it now, though. <laughs> <Getting> <laughs> <laughs> uh, they'll never be able to change that, though, mate. Uh, never be able to change for the that. world, don't worry about that. <laughs> you played through a lot of managers, right? And obviously, Steve Bruce was the one, I think, that... I mean, you had great form under Steve Bruce. You, you know, I think you're totally right. I think your best season was, weirdly enough, that season at left-back. But then when Martin O'Neill came in, it's, it's easy to look back now and, and remember yeah. the Martin O'Neill era as disappointing and like a bit of an anti-climax. But those first three months were absolutely fucking yeah. incredible. Yeah. What is it that he brought? 
quite weird. I was a bit sceptical. Not sceptical in that way, but uh, uh, from a personal point of view, because obviously I had Martin when I was at Villa when I was younger. I went on loan there. And obviously there was a there was a chance that I could sign for Villa permanent. It didn't work out. And I always thought, I always felt to myself that he didn't really fancy me as a player. So I was thinking, when he came in, I was thinking, oh no, this will be, that is it now. Obviously I need to obviously prove another manager again and prove that I obviously belong here and play in the Premier League and... Um, but as soon as he come in, to be fair, he was he was he was brilliant with me. He had a he had a had a great relationship with Martin as well. To be fair, he was um, I really enjoyed playing with him. And he had good staff around him, and yeah, I think we obviously this players he brought in as well were were good season pros, and it was an enjoyable time with Martin. I really, I really enjoyed it. What was it you said when you came in the doors? Because I mean, we had. Um, we really, really went from having a horrifically bad start of the season. Yeah. I mean, I've never known an atmosphere. Was that the Wigan game where Steve? Yeah, I remember that. DeSanto, Wes Brown falling on his arse and doing yeah. something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, unlike Wes, that to be fair, but it was a poisonous atmosphere at that point. But within yeah. two or three weeks, you, you beat Blackburn in the last minute. Yeah, I think you just need to get the troops believing again. Um, you know, this confidence is low. You know, players make wrong decisions. Um, confidence dips badly um, and it just it just comes from the pressure of, of what it means to stay in the league and it was just tough at the time obviously Steve paid the consequences of the of the results but obviously Martin come in and obviously had to lift us I think he did that it was um, when he come in the lads reacted pretty well to it and you know we, we got off to some I think we beat Blackburn at home his first game I think it was. yep 2-1 I think Seb scored the free kick didn't he yeah uh, yeah, we scored two last minute. It was uh, David Vaughan scored a scream over five minutes to go as well. Yeah, so yeah, as I said, uh, really enjoyed playing under him. He was, you know, he was a, he was a character, Martin, and I did like it. Did he have a bit of Brian Clough's about him? Do you think? Yeah, he, he was quite funny, you know, because I can't remember him doing it at Villa, but when he come in, he, um, he before a game, he used to get his pad out, like his, his what his team was on, and he used to say the team in about fifteen seconds. And you used to put your ears out like that as if to say, I need to listen to this because I can't really hear him, so I don't complain or not. And all the lads are like leaning forward as if to say, am I playing it? And the lads would all be looking around the dressing room like that, nodding, are you playing? <laughs> but it's just, honestly, he said the team in about 10 seconds and you had to just keep your ears open to see if you were playing. But what a character Martin was, I really liked him. With O'Neill... One big thing that sticks in my mind about the season afterwards is obviously he brought in he brought in two big signings the season afterwards where he spent his money. And then we had that game against Redden where it was suspended, uh, got uh, postponed. And then we went on like a really kind of, it was, it was kind of a disappointing run where we never lost, but we just drew loads and it never really worked out. It really quickly went stale with Martin O'Neill. What, what changed in the dressing room? Do you think the postponed game could have affected that? Do you think we lost uh, momentum based on like, the positive, yeah, positive possibly around it. That, but as I said before, it's, it's such a demanding league and and the pressures of going out every week and performing and, and winning these games. I think for a club like Sunderland, obviously it's a massive club, but the players that obviously at their disposal, the squad wasn't wasn't big enough. And obviously when things got stretched and as a as a uh, said before with a with a um, the the Roy situation and obviously the Bruce situation. The squad was not big enough to obviously to to adapt and to and to to prod these top teams all the way and you know it's it's tough it's tough when you're not like that at your disposal but I say he was uh, 
I really enjoyed working for Martin, but obviously there was a sticky period there where obviously the results dried up and said we didn't lose that many, but we didn't win, didn't win many either. It seemed very defensive-minded for a long time, and I think it just gradually got stale with Martin O'Neill. And then obviously we lost one nil to Man United, I think, at home. I think Van Persie yeah. scored. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Martin O'Neill gets sacked. And I think people were quite surprised. I think no one was necessarily happy with his performance as manager at that point. But no one, I think, necessarily at the time thought a sacking was the right thing. It just felt a bit anticlimactic. And then you think, well, who's going to come in? And then your best mate comes in. Um, <laughs> and you knew this was going to come up. This is what you? you've been waiting for. Me? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the old Trafford questions, mate. That's what I'm waiting for. But... Paolo Di Canio, the stories, you know everything about it, but let, let's go back to the day that he walks in the door. What are your thoughts? Um, I, he was a decent coach, don't get me wrong, really decent coach. Obviously, watching him over the years in the Premier League as a player, he was always a, a colourful character and he was out there. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's quite like that as a manager, to be fair. We got on in the early parts of the, relation, of the obviously relationship, if you want to call it that. And then things, even before the incident, I don't know. I just didn't like some of his some of his dealings with with players and the way the way he was the way he was carrying himself. So was it more your relationship before the incident, which I'm sure we'll get to? Did you feel that it sort of broke down because of the way he was treating other people and you being a long-standing Sunderland player by that point? You'd been there three and a bit seasons, I think. Did you just did it just not sit right with you? No, because uh, there was there was there was probably characters in the dressing room that weren't as outgoing and as 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 strong minded as probably I was, and they were they were inside themselves. They were obviously they were probably petrified of him, to be quite honest. Um, and some of the things he done, um, I didn't agree with, and obviously the way it all planned out, every obviously it's clear for everyone to see what happened um, with the situation at the time of. The way it unfolded, it was obviously it was a tough time, tough time for me and some of my family. No one expected it to go the way it did, but it did. And um, yeah, he he probably dislikes me, and and I dislike him. That's just the way. It, that's the way it is. You can't obviously you can't see eye to eye with everyone in football, and and uh, like everybody, and yeah, it just it's one of them things. Was it because he banned ketchup? Was that what it was? Fucking Ali banned more than ketchup. <laughs> what was the weirdest thing he banned? Was it the ketchup? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, like I don't even know how bad ketchup is for you. To be honest, it's not that bad, is it? I don't think so. Ketchup. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a fitness guru, but I doubt it. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, just some weird things. He's uh, just done some weird things, and ah, oh, yeah, that was the weirdest one. I think it was Christmas time, and uh, I think we, was it Christmas time? Yeah, I think it was around Christmas time, and. Uh, I think he was watching, he was all the lads were around watching some when we was having dinner and uh, we turned up, we might have been X Factor or something and he come in and turned it down, told us to turn it down because we're using too much energy, laughing and that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's comical. Right, 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 that's the end of the X Factor, no more ketchup, oh, I'm out of it. No ketchup, no X Factor, Max Power would be done if, uh, if Paolo took over. Oh, he loves a bit of X Factor, apparently does Max Power these days. Oh, Max, yeah, I know Max, it's good kids. Oh, you, tough few weeks for him, tough few yeah, weeks for those red cards. He's had more standing offs in three weeks than I had in six and a half years. He's had more standing offs than Lee Catamore, which is saying something, <laughs> mate. That's it. Um, <laughs> so, but I, one, one thing I remember about Paolo, but I, I don't think you were on 
I don't think you were there. The Hong Kong trip, did he ban you from that? Uh, so basically after the incident with the casino thing, obviously I watched a couple of day, a couple of day after when it all came out, I had obviously been an idiot. The most embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life come out. Um, that They pulled me and uh, the fitness coach and said, you and Killer are training at four. I was like, all right. So do you want to explain to us what we've done? Like, to, Obviously I knew what I'd done because yeah. it's clear for everyone to see. Um, so anyway, we trained that for me and killing. We just run around the training, like training a whole of the training ground for about an hour, just like plodding around for a full hour. I was like, right. So the day after, I got called in, and I just wanted to speak to the manager. To be fair, I wanted to just speak to him on my behalf. I wanted to apologise face to face with him, but he was having none of it. He said, obviously, I've been unprofessional and and this, that, and the other. It all stemmed from we we obviously went out on the Monday. I think it was a Monday night. And we went to watch uh, Wigan v Arsenal. And obviously, if, if Wigan got beat, we'd stayed up. Um, so we went to the CM, CM Arms or CMN, whatever it's called. And it started off with a bit of dinner and then it was a, a shander. And then when it went 2-3-0, it started with Jaeger ones and, and et cetera and et cetera. Before we knew it was out in the out in Newcastle. Obviously, a stupid incident happened, which I regret. And then obviously got called in a couple of days later, etc. And obviously, I just wanted to speak to him face to face and just have a chat and just say, I apologise for what I've done. And he wanted me to come out and just apologise to everyone and say that was unprofessional and, and this, that. And I just said to him, Listen, let me, I said to the chief of mags at the time, said, just let me speak to him face to face. I apologise to the manager for doing what I've done. Anyway, he was having none of it. And that was it. Uh, banished me from the squad for that rest of that season. And then I was to report back to pre season, I think it was the 5th of July. I got another two-week ban and then that turned into, I couldn't go into the training ground. So obviously the people in the training ground I've known for five, six years, they felt in a in a position where obviously they couldn't speak to me because they didn't know how he'd react to that. Um, but I was at the other end of the training ground anyway with the kids. They had the kit in, in me in a dressing room on my own. You know, the kit man would drop it off in the morning, I'd get changed. I'd go around the side, down to the, the far end and train with Borley and, and all the kids, which I quite enjoyed, to be fair, because obviously Borley was a top coach. I really enjoyed the training with him. And then, obviously, that time's going on. Um, and the pre-season, I think I played in a 23 game. Um, I think it might have been their first league game of the season. I've been with them, obviously, on tour to Holland. and I think it was their first pre-season game and I slid in for a tackle and I broke my foot. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, broke my foot. So that's probably saved me and saving grace for probably being at Sunderland. But if I'm being brutally honest, Matt, uh, Mags, Byrne and, and Ellie Short didn't want me to leave anyway. Even though the Paolo Di Canio was forcing me out, there was no way they were letting me go. Again, from a fan's perspective, and maybe I'm being too kind because, you know, you, you've said you regret it and stuff like that. But I think sometimes with fans, the, so, the, the age of social media, you see yeah. stuff happening and you see stuff going on. Yeah. Is it that different to what a lad would do? You know, like... That's I, I know, kind of but when you're in the public eye and you're professional football in the Premier League, I completely fucked up and I, drew, I, I, I was so embarrassed about it. But I just wanted to explain to him and apologise face-to-face, man-to-man, and he didn't want any of it. And I thought, if you don't want to speak to me, fuck you then. And that's the way it was. Do you think, because he, he banished Catamol as well, and Cats, as far as I'm aware, did nothing. Yeah, he put both of us, but like, so you're talking about 
you've heard, talking about not being out, speak to people that you've cared for for five or six years. I've done stuff for, for staff at the club that I'm not going off record and, and saying stuff that I'm obviously, i actually done genuine stuff for, for people outside the football and took them in Christmas Day and took, treated them at Christmas and end of season bonuses. And I always help people and I don't just mean financially, just like I cared for people genuinely up there and like the staff and, and I think they were genuinely gutted when that happened, obviously, when I got banished to the to the other end of the training ground because they had no contact with me and good friends there, good good people and obviously um, Ross, the master and Dave Benningsley, the, the physio, they were all, Billy Wilson, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago, we were all, yeah. all there, all every day, camaraderie, the cleaners and you know, the chefs and the people who work in the kitchen, the secretaries, they all, we, all had, we all had a close relationship with each other and I think it was dif- as difficult as for them as it was for me at the time because obviously they couldn't speak to me and, and I'd be, well, try to be a life, life and soul around the place when when t- things were good and were bad and just try to lift people and make people happy, you know. And then you've got that Fulham game. I'll get shot if I don't ask this. I've got to ask the difficult questions as well. But I remember the Fulham game. Yeah. I, I've heard a story, shall we say, that he, he also banned uh, Craig Russell from the, the match day squad that day because he was laughing too much or too much of a smile on his face. So that Fulham game, there was that situation. But the, the big thing that people wanted me to ask you about, there was that Instagram post where... Yeah. It was seen as that you were laughing at us getting beat. What's your uh, side of that? It, it got to a point where I was, I was, I was down. I was in a bad place because I wanted to be involved and I wanted to prove that I was still wanting to be there and I still wanted to play for Sunderland. And I just, I just, I wanted him to go as soon as possible. And uh, it was nothing against the club. It was nothing against any of the, my teammates or any no disrespect to anybody at the club because I got too much respect for him. But it was at him, and and that was that. And, we just didn't have a good relationship and and obviously you could see that by the way everything panned out. What was your feelings when it got misconstrued as if it was against the club? I had to go in the training ground and explain myself and and uh, obviously I was up for two misconduct things at the club with the obviously the stupid picture and then this um, and I was actually I went I brought my foot and then me and my wife went on holiday to, uh, he was in Crete for 10 days. Just I couldn't do anything with my boots, so I said, right, let's go away. Uh, things have been pretty tough and so I went away and uh, and then Mags rang me, oh, Mags rang me agent, just to say, obviously, we've, we've agreed something. If anyone else asks, or my little lads, if anybody else asks from anywhere else, then obviously you've only got to find two weeks' wages when he wouldn't make it find two months' wages. Obviously, that kind of clears that up. I think, obviously, you can see that there wasn't a great, a great deal of love lost with you. And I think the same, I think the same goes for cats as well, right? Like we know that. Yeah. Um, so when I, I don't know whether you got privy to this because you were pretty much banned from the training ground, but when when did you see the end of the Decanio era? What, or how did that come about? For what you can share, probably from. My agent's point of view in terms of when he probably spoke to Mags um, about my situation because I knew he'd be out for t- like between obviously six to ten weeks with me foot and uh, they basically said just time to sit tight. Um, so I knew in the back of my head I knew I was coming back and uh, and I grafted and I grafted and I grafted and I just wanted to prove that I wanted to be there. It wasn't a, obviously I wanted to be there, I wanted to, I wanted to carry on playing for the club and 
you know, the injury didn't. I think it was six, seven weeks, and I was back. Yeah, so the injury lasted six or seven weeks, and then obviously I was obviously I was playing with Borley at the time in the twenty threes. I was keeping fit, and uh, and obviously the end was near for for my good friend. What was it? A players mutiny, or was it a case of just? I can't. Obviously, I wasn't in the meeting. Yeah, as such, because obviously I was banned, but. Yeah, I've heard little snippets come from in and around the meeting and players, just players, I don't know, and that was that. He, he wanted players to go and speak to the manager if the uh, the owner, if they weren't happy and, and players did. He's just... Forces lost, on hand. Play, yeah, players just lost patience and we first beat, in his first, when it, when we played Newcastle and we won 3-0, as football clubs and managers, they normally analyse the game and obviously what can improve on this day and the other, but we just beat Newcastle 3-0. At St James's, and we was in the next day, and he was, he was, he had a, he had obviously had this, had this meeting about what we could improve on and what we could do better. I was thinking, we just beat Newcastle, Newcastle at St James's Park three 0 How does it get any better than that? It doesn't. I tell you, <laughs> it doesn't. I'm telling you. And then obviously things just escalated from there, and all the bad blood and and all the dislike probably towards each other. He was a pretty, he was his coaching was was quite good. He had some good ideas, and it's just the it's just the way he put stuff across, and the way he handled certain situations, which I didn't like. Obviously, you started the season completely out of the team picture. We've just covered through all that, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Gus Poyet comes in. What does Gus Poyet say to you when you come into the club? Because you're straight back in the team, pretty much, aren't you? I was at um, I was overtraining with the kids, and uh, he had a meeting with Max, and he said, "Where's?" Where's me? Obviously, I think he's still training over the kids because obviously they, they didn't know what, who the obviously the next manager wanted or what he see. So he shouts me over. I was training with the kids, and the next day I come back training with the first team. So a nice loud applause for my good teammates that they are. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we do a eleven v eleven, set two up. He pulls me after, and he says. Uh, he says, if you do that on a match day for me, he said, I'll be coming to the casino with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. And, uh, from Chalk and cheese. In, yeah, from then on in, we, uh, we had an unbelievable relationship. Yeah, he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Loved playing for him. Loved his style. Loved his attitude. Uh, he was just... <sighs> he was just a breath of fresh air, you know, because he's not really had a style like that up there where he wanted to play out and... I know it was some of the games we got caught a little bit in this, but you know we try to play proper football and with a bit of a bit of needle and a bit of you know horribleness from obviously the South American background and yeah, of course. What, what was it that What was it that you changed to have like an uplifting? No, he just, he just gave players so much confidence on the ball to take the ball in places where probably. <laughs> Two months, three months, probably eighteen months before, players wouldn't even dream of getting the ball out from the back and try to play in that. And I played in a different role. I played wing back, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I was touching the ball in in, in the final third of the pitch, and I was creating chances, shooting, crossing, just touching the ball more often than probably I've ever touched the ball um, for any other manager in terms of the style he wanted to play, which was which was unique, and I I really enjoyed it. I really did. And you had that. Obviously, huge winner St James's Park just before under the oh. cameo. <laughs> Did we? That was uh, that was a good day. That was one of the one 
one good part to the Decanio uh, era, I guess. Yeah, but, I think I pulled my car. Well, that, that one, yeah. And with, oh, you got took off, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. I pulled my car in that game, but I was trying to carry on running and I was thinking... This thing's just going to rip right down my calf. I felt a bit in my calf. I was thinking, oh, I'll be all right. Because it's a derby and you zoned in. But it was just getting worse and worse. I was thinking, if I pop my calf worse than a grade one here, then looking at three months, two months, I was like, I need to get off. And then we go and pop another two in. You sound like you uh, you love the derby games. What is it you like oh, about it? <laughs> oh, it's the best fixture I've ever played in, ever. Ever, yeah. St. James's Park, the abuse that we took getting off that bus and the bottles it and it's like, oh my god. The door opened, the music rammed up. Oh god. Did it just make it better when you just score three worldies as well? The five one defeat was was disappointing. Kevin oh, Nolan, about that. Kevin Nolan was actually my man that day and it was oh my god. I was actually one of the few that actually tried and put a few tackles in, just nothing went right and and then when I look back at the game, I was thinking, yeah, Kevin Nolan was your man and we lost 5-1. I was like, well done. You were the only one that came out of that game with credit, though, if I remember rightly. Yeah, the rest of them did a little bit. And, but like, like I say, Kev was my man on set pieces and I couldn't justify my performance because he scored three. And uh, yeah, that was that. That was uh, a <laughs> tough one to take, that one. Did that did that game the five one? I wasn't gonna touch on it because there were so many games where we, we beat the bastards. If I'm honest with you, uh, with yeah. you, so I didn't want to touch on it. But I remember after that, the season afterwards at St James's, we played. It went, I think it was it was when we had Martin O'Neill as manager, and in the first fifty or first thirty seconds, Cats just goes and wipes somebody out. Yeah. And I think that kind of style of play has continued on every time we've played them. Was yeah. there something said in the dressing room like, right, we're not going to get bullied this time the way we were last time? No, yeah, he was revved up, but the the one at um, I think it might be my last one at, at home when we won two one. Fletch scored the header. Yeah, I think if you remember the game, I just the ball come the first couple of minutes, the ball got put down the channel. I think it was Sammy Amiobi playing um, playing left wing, and it come up as you know for a header, and I thought this is it, and I just right through the back of him, and the raw like we just scored, but he just. He sets a tone for the game, and me and Cats were always zoned in for them games, probably too much at times. But I think we had to be because we felt responsibility in them games, and we knew how much it meant to people. And yeah, oh, Jesus. Do you remember the your last game actually against them was the uh, it was the three 0 when you you won the penalty. Um, was that the last one? Oh, I thought the Fletch header was the last one. Yeah, oh, we three, murdered them. Yeah, yeah, that was that was even nicer than if it was at their place. Yeah, we murdered them that day. What are your memories of that game? Because we absolutely battered them. We just outplayed them tactically. Oh, everything. We ran all over them. We couldn't get near us. We couldn't get near us. Um, obviously, the way we play, we took the ball in, in places where you're playing in a derby. You think, oh no, because especially when you're away from home in any sort of game, you're away from home and you want to. You want to quieten their crowd. You want to obviously get some passes in and and put them on the back foot and just just slow everything down a little bit. But we were actually speeding it up because we were playing that well. And obviously we created chances and we could have, could have had a couple of that first half. Um, well, we did have what score was, was yeah, three, three now. Yeah, yeah, three now. Yeah, two in the first twenty or two goals last twenty. Is that Varney that? No, we got um, two in the first 20. It was Barini's penalty. Jono's got the second one. Then Jack scored Jack at the end. That was the one, yeah. yeah. Oh, we ran all over them that day. We was, 
he was outstanding. And just the bravery the lad to talk on. And you talk about derbies and like I touched on before when you tackling, heading and setting the tone. But I think that game, we we, we set the tone in a different manner. We we passed the ball around and quieted the crowd and and we were just in every department we were just so much better. We were, we were just so better than them everywhere. Yeah, the Jaeger bombs were going with me that night as well. I ended up because I live in Scotland and I ended up, uh, I, I got back, I, I totally missed two trains back to Glasgow. And at that point I lived in Ayrshire, which is about an hour outside of Glasgow. And I didn't realise how late I got back and I had to get a taxi for about 90 quid and I made my missus pay for it. I was that drunk. I didn't really You should have had to pay for it for you. <laughs> it's a bit late now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it in yeah, mind. Yeah. Though. I used to go in the mill in East Rains and that's where I used to go after the games and that. Because um, we used, we didn't live too far from there. So I used to... Uh, Used to pop down there with the landlord and was there a few of the staff and cats and that we all used to pop in there and oh Jesus after them games oh, what a night <laughs> what a night now there was another night that I remember a little bit better but before I just get on to that right yeah. got to discuss the cup run now for me and for an entire generation's first time we'd been to Wembley and the ride getting there was better than the actual day in my opinion when was it you truly started to believe that you could go and win that cup. Uh, the semi-final for me beating United I just thought if we can beat United we can beat City that was it simple as that um, the attitude that obviously all the way through the competition um, the belief that was growing in the squad and the players that we had even if we were facing the, the big boys we were just not intimidated one bit and we took the game to him and uh, oh, what a journey that was I said to Joe Hart the other day you broke my heart you Oh, I broke mine now. Yeah. <laughs> he just... he apologised, but uh, yeah, I, was, I said he's a good ladder, so I'll let him off. But yeah, oh, this, this tough one to say that. It was horrible. But I mean, going back to just before that, you scored in the first leg. Technically, obviously, it was, I think, class of non goal from Giggs, wasn't it? Was that yeah. right? Yeah, well, I, um, I, yeah, I'm taking that one as well. Giggs, he won't want that anyway, on own goal on his record, no. so I'll have that one. No, no, no. No, no definitely not. No, that's mine. And the other one was mine. Oh, the other one's oh, definitely yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the goal at Old Trafford, I mean, I was I was there, in, oh. along with another 9,000-something fans. It was six years ago to the day you left Man United. Obviously, I only remember that because of the commentary. Yeah. And and there was, I mean, I can only speak from my perspective, but I remember Marcos Alonso hitting a shot and it missing the post by inches. And I, up to that point, I believe we were going to do it. And I looked at the lad next to me and it was just that kind of like, ah, is that it sort of moment but last minute ball comes to you I want, what I want you to talk me through here right what goes through your head what happens when it hits the net and what is it like seeing 9,000 fans going know, to be fair, crackers just before that I got smashed by someone and my calf ran the bottom of my calf and I had a dead calf and I was thinking oh no and then I was hobbling and obviously we had a bit of a build up around the edge of the box and then obviously the ball rolls across I think it was Key that rolled it across. And I'm just what? thinking, these mitre balls, I'm thinking, this is going. And to be fair, um, I'm <laughs> thinking, uh, just hit it because these mitre balls fly. And uh, I've hit it. And to be fair, the gay has made a meal of it, but I didn't care. I did not care. It's the weirdest feeling in the world because it's my childhood club. I've been there since the age of nine. I left for Sunderland six years to the day. And it was just like, wow, you couldn't even write it. You couldn't even, 
Oh, honestly, it was there. Uh, oh, it's one of the well, best days of my life. That one of the best days of my life. Wasn't bad at all. Oh, I can't even remember getting home. To be fair, <laughs> I got the bus back to the services, and uh, I can't remember what where it was. What services? We had to get a cab from the services. I had to leave my car there. Honestly, because the game went to extra time and the dehydration and just ev- the whole build-up and the whole night. I think they had about two or three beers on the coach because the lads got a load of beers for the coach. Just go back, go, so just said, get, get the music on, get the beers on. And and then we had, uh, so I must have had two or three beers and I honestly can't remember getting off the bus. <laughs> 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 oh, I woke up the next day and we're in the final. I was like, oh my God, that was a good night. <laughs> How do you get the, I mean, for me, I, I can't remember how I celebrated it. I remember the lad in front of me got knocked out because his mate just jumped up all over the shop. Yeah, He's lying on the place. floor. Oh, I punched elbow. I, I ended up about six rows in front. It's one of those goals where I think most of us don't remember what we actually did. We just lost it. But yeah. by the time you lifted your head up, Man United had equalised. But yeah. I think one thing we don't focus on a lot is that we actually had the mental strength to go and win that shootout. I mean, it wasn't a great shootout, don't get me wrong, but... It doesn't matter. Against Man United, when you're at Man United yeah. at Old Trafford and you're in a penalty shootout. But I knew, I, 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 looking at the people stepping up, I was just thinking, technically gifted, I'm thinking, he's scoring, he's scoring, he's scoring. And we went on to win it, and oh, what a memorable night that was. Oh, Jesus. I remember seeing the... Brian uh... Tingley and stuff, that. I remember seeing the video of, uh, was it Wes Brown that got the champagne out when he's lying getting his knees tripped and all that sort yeah, of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was all wounded, honestly. It's not just a, an old cop-out, but everyone was literally wounded, but the joy, the, the excitement after it. Oh, my God. I can say, I can't remember getting home. I can't remember getting off the bus. <laughs> it was I a good night. On just dancing on tables on the bus oasis, but coming from what had happened six months before to then, it was, oh my God. Yeah, as a fan and for you personally, well, it was quite like weird. the same thing. Was, that January, I was on the verge of leaving and it was all a bit, because obviously I was in contract negotiations again with a club which broke down. Obviously, I was on the verge. It's funny, I was viewing a house in, um, in the Ramside and getting, new houses were getting built in Durham. And uh, I was with my agent and Fulham rang me and I was about to go and then I just stopped. I said, nah. I said, Gus has shown me loyalty and brought me back in. I said, I'm going to repay him by staying and, and everyone at the club, what they've done for me over the years. And so I ended up staying and, and staying up again and being in a cup final. <laughs> it's all right, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, like I say, if it were probably, well, if it weren't for Gus, probably might have sold in that in that summer window. But so I wanted to I repay him and the faith he's shown in me and the respect I had for him. Do you still speak to him? Yeah, now and again. Give me a little text. And he was out on a team night out with Burnley a few months ago and uh, Ashley Barnes was obviously had him at Brighton, so we FaceTimed him. <laughs> 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 so, no, but a top bloke. He was really good. Really good. He's a manager that got me to Wembley. It got yeah. me, got you, got all of us. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You remember as a fan... Exactly what it's like. I mean, it's the first time for me. I was really unlucky that I was actually on holiday when I was a kid when we got there in '98. Yeah. Um, I was too young in '92, so it was the first time for me at Wembley, and it was it was kind of surreal. But what's it like as a player coming out and seeing that oh, sea of red incredible. and white? But the start we got off to as well. We we snuffed them out. We stopped any chances. Went in front. Obviously, went in front at half time, and then 
sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and respect a team that have got so much quality and you know the goals he scored were, were exceptional and I don't I think if you ask any Sunderland fan or anybody you know the effort we put in was was to the final whistle and we just got beat off the better team on the day and that's probably the only thing I can the only thing that sums it up is just the the quality took over in the end and um, I'm the best team best team won the second half which was which was them but obviously they managed to score three goals would you do anything different in that game if you could no I wouldn't say I think we just like I say we give our all um, I think that I think Torre's goal was a bit of a I don't know if it was a shot or a cross but he was obviously it flew in and he just they just gathered momentum from that and obviously the second one was tough to take but I think the third one's just us chasing the game and trying to get back into it and um, obviously done on the counter-attack but I don't think anybody can ever fault the effort the lads put in that day because obviously we all dreamed of picking a trophy up and and, uh, and taking it back to, to Sunderland Stadium right? but they were, a, they were a good team they were a top team and obviously after all that I actually it's very rare to do it but I actually shut their hands after the staff and everybody because you know, sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and and admire how good certain teams are, and they were they were tremendous. To be fair, yeah, they, I mean, it took something special to beat us that day, and they yeah. provided it twice. Because we we didn't we didn't play bad first half. We were just no, us. Um, as I say, the the the, the, the Torre goal just probably took a little bit of momentum out of us, a little bit of sting out of the tail, and as soon as they get back and they they start rocking and rolling, it was oh, it's tough to live up to. It's just so quick. The second goal, if we'd had maybe ten minutes to settle, yeah. But you know what? What if and what will be? Yeah, it's it was a, a good ride. Right? What a journey! And what a what a season that was. With the league form mm. at that time, we actually were doing quite well. But I think after the cup final, it, it really dipped. I mean, it was around the time I was getting married, and I remember, I remember the Monday I got married on the Friday. I remember the Monday it was, was when we got married. The Monday was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not yet. Um, but uh, I, I remember the Monday was the Spurs game, and I remember I sat down and, and, and my wife, not the biggest fan of football, but she sat and sat and watched it with me, and she was just Catamol scored, and he never scores. Well, he did definitely not then. So I thought, oh, hang on, you know, you never know. This might be the great escape. And then about sixty minutes later, my wife's like, oh, what happened there? But there was a miraculous moment where we just went. We can beat anyone in this league, and we're going to beat everyone in this league. Chelsea, we've got a result that City should have beat them, yeah. beat Man United. What what changed in the dressing room, and at what point did it change? And did you ever feel like we were going to go down? Possibly, yeah. No, I wouldn't lie about that. Just the way, obviously, when when you're playing that expansive football and it's all going well, and the, the style of play, it can be risky at times. And so we were trying to play in the right manner, and it was just. Things were little things, the little basics weren't. We weren't doing the basics right, and we were just conceding sloppy goals. And um, I think, obviously, defeating the final took a little bit out of us, um, confidence-wise. And obviously, the form dipped. Um, but then we managed to obviously pick, pick some great results up, um, and obviously go on to avoid, uh, avoid um, you know, being relegated again, which is. Uh, which he was massive for the club again there for you know the financial side of it, but obviously a personal pride and um, you know to, to obviously spend six and a half seasons at a club where you have so many great memories, memories of obviously keeping in the Premier League for for that that duration was obviously it's, it's a proud proud um, 
stat on my behalf. You mentioned confidence. Um, I felt that when we got that result at City, and we, we, we should have won. It was just a, a shame for Vito that day. But do you think yeah. that changed in the dressing room? Did the confidence come back that we could be more expansive? Yeah, a, bit, a bit more belief when you, when you go to places like that and you and you give teams like that a run for the money. And it's a big case of shit or bust. Why don't you may as well go out fighting and uh, let's just try and get results and get some points on the board? Because we all know knew the consequences if obviously if we didn't get the we didn't get the results and you know we had characters in the dressing room who were strong characters who obviously didn't let that happen and um, I say we managed to stay up and another great achievement. So after such a successful end of the season, sir, you had a manager that you evidently have a lot of respect for. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you can hear that you love someone just from speaking, but then yeah. then you left. Yeah, it's tough. why? A tough decision. Um, obviously, my agent went in to, to meet Eric Ellis's right-hand man, um, American lad, I can't recall his name. Um, so my agent sat in a meeting for about 10 minutes uh, with Mags and himself, and he uh, his comments were that he thought I didn't, didn't warrant a, a, like a contract at the time period that I thought I deserved. He thought um, I was past my best when I was 29, and... Um, they are. They are. They are only wanted to offer me a couple of years, and obviously, I I felt what I'd done and and the way I was playing I felt I warranted more than that. It was never never financially um, that never come into the equation. It was just the time scale of the contract, and I just felt like I give my all to the club, and um, I felt like they should have rewarded me in in a way that I thought I should have got rewarded, and you know they didn't, and you know I had to move on. What did they offer you? Two. And I wanted three. Um, as I say, it wasn't financially; it was just the the fact of length for the contracts. It was that four and a half. Was that three and a half? What was that three years ago? Three years, three four years ago. Three, three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still in the Premier League now, so must be doing something right. Um, it just shows um, that secretaries are not all. Uh, you know, uh, it's just. Um, but it was a tough one to take, to be fair, because I spent a lot yeah. of time uh, six and a half years is a long time, and um, you know, got a lot of, a lot of friends up there. And, no, it was difficult coming back to play against someone when I was at Stoke. And it, was, it was very weird and I don't know if he enjoyed it or not. I don't, I don't know. It's just it was weird. Seeing a lot but it, the upside to it was I seen some some old friends who I spent obviously, a lot of time with and uh, a lot a lot of obviously a lot of friends and people that I've shared a lot of good times with and uh, it's good to see all them again. There's many people that would say, and this might sound like a kiss-ass comment, but you know, whatever. Um, there's many people that I think would probably say we still haven't replaced you. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Obviously, if, uh, yeah, without yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's, you don't want to blow you on trumpet, but I mean, no, surely, no, it's you, tough to find players who go onto a pitch and give it everything they've got. In terms yeah, of, you know what I mean. It's you've got to be brave in different scenarios in football as well as taking the ball. You've got to be able to fight when it gets tough and head and tackle and maybe I'm a you know a dying breed in that in that in that um sense with you know being tough and tackling and heading and you don't really see it as much anymore but maybe that's what a few clubs miss these days. I'm down to League One mate, it's brilliant. I'm sure we'll have you back. Uh, <laughs> I'll be back one day. When that manager position comes open and I'll be there, don't worry about it. Got a few years to go yet. Oh, I've mate. got a few years to play yet. I've got a few playing years left yet. Final question is in summary what does your time at Sunderland and the club itself mean to you? Everything to me. Obviously, six and a half years of 
good times, bad times, cup finals, survival, uh, friendships. Uh, I could the list is endless. Um, but from a personal point of view, to play for a club like Sunderland and you know to play as many games as I did, and obviously to achieve and to make people proud every week was you know is what all I ever wanted, and um, I'll always look back at. At my time at Sunderland with fond memories. Um, I say many, many, many friends there who I didn't go out on a sat- on a Saturday afternoon just to play for myself or my family. It was for, you know, it's for them because obviously if we was to go down, it'd affect them, it'd affect their families, and you know I felt that, and um, that's where the friendships become and grew, and um, you know I think that's why they took me in as as one of their own up there. And, um, I hope that one day I can come back in in some department, whether it be a groundsman or a manager <laughs> or a manager. But yeah, it'd be nice to get up and maybe watch a game soon as well. And, you know, reminisce with some some old friends. But yeah, I loved it. Loved every minute of it. And um, you know, I hope I did everyone proud up there. And I say, hope we can come back up soon and, and watch a game. Well, I will go plenty of places at left back and right back, mate. If you if you're really desperate, uh, <laughs> but, no, they're um, doing well at the minute. I'm we are. Say, I'm glad to see the manager seems like he's he's got him in a good place. I didn't know much too much about him before he took over, but so speaking to to the couple of lads up there that was still know they speak highly of him, and uh, hopefully that can continue and they they can get promotion this year and uh, climb back up the leagues and get back to the promised land of the Premier League. Fingers crossed, mate. But uh, thanks very much for doing it, mate. It was really enjoyable. Um, no problem. Anytime. Been, been good crack having a few WhatsApps as well. It's made me laugh. We're pleased to get a good chat. And I hope you enjoyed it as well, mate. And um, Yeah, did you? Anytime. Good. You've got my number, so. And I don't mean peppering me every day, by the way, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Give me time, mate. Give me yeah, time. No problem. <laughs> but, uh, next time we're, we'll do something. Uh, I'll come up and we'll do it there and watch a game or something. Yeah, that sounds good to me, mate. And, uh, no problem with that at all. I expect me, uh, my statue to be shined and stuff when I come back outside. And I hope it's shining and there's a nice red and white scarf around it. They've got me on it, mate. So I'm the, I'm the one doing the shining, <laughs> sadly. But uh, there you go. But um, I'll let you get back to the young and watch Home Alone. Catch you soon, all right? Yeah, Thank well, you. Thanks, Take mate, it mate. easy, mate. Take it easy. So that was all right, uh, I think. I hope I asked. Difficult enough questions. A lot of people are saying I'm too in love with my guests, but I'm a Sunderland fan. One of yous. Um, that's pretty much. I'm, I'm asking and reacting the same way that hopefully you know you would. And I hope that. Uh, I hope that it's a good podcast again. Um, on a serious note, uh, thanks very much for the the feedback that we've had on all the podcasts recently, specifically mine with Lorik and with uh, with Kieran. Um, Phil is someone that I'd, I'd want to speak to for ages. It's definitely 100% my era. And anyone who's around my age, like, you know, 32 or younger, will remember the things that happened with Phil Bosley's loads of interest and perhaps negative stuff there that obviously we've discussed, but plenty positive. And, and I certainly remember in a much more of a positive light than I do negative. I thought he was great crack. I thought he was really, really good, really, really honest. Uh, and I think you can't ask for much more than that, really, can you? But thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And if there's anything further that uh, you'd like to know, I know I missed out the Wayne Rooney question, but don't really care about who he knocks out. Um, on his night out I care more about Sunland and what he did with Sunland um, feel free to check in cool thanks
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 